Hey guys, welcome to Make You Remarkable, a brand new podcast brought to you by Oconee State Bank. I'm your host, JT Tomlin, and on this podcast, we're going to be talking all things leadership, entrepreneurship, and personal development. Our goal is to ignite purpose and inspire passion in our listeners by asking them the question, how will you make you remarkable? We'll be interviewing local legends, business owners, and leaders within our communities and asking them about their road to success. Like what kind of steps did they take to get where they are now? What does it mean to be a leader and how can I lead my team as well as what kind of mark they've made and what kind of mark they hope to leave in the future? This is going to be an amazing podcast and we cannot wait for you to listen to it. So make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and follow us on social media at Oconee State Bank for more information. I'm your host, JT Tomlin, and I'm joined with my co-host, Neil Stevens. And today we are both joined with Sashin Patel. Sashin is the co-owner of SP2 Hospitality, as well as New Creation Soda Works. SP2 is, the, is a restaurant business, correct? Or a hospitality business that owns restaurants, right? That is correct. We uh, are hospitality-driven, mainly restaurants, but some specifics. But yeah, you awesome. can say that. Well, tell us a little bit more about your story and tell us about how you got into that business. The restaurant business. The restaurant, wow. all of I them. I mean, <laughs> how, uh, how far back do we need to go, right? Um, it was, I, I think it was uh, 2007 or 2008, but we, we thought we would do a small little coffee shop slash um, a little, you know, boutique little dessert bar. I don't know how everyone's familiar with the, the, those, these people place here called the Flamingo Room on mm. Baxter Street in Athens. Um, so we went on a expedition to look at places like that and uh, decided on a, an idea and we just went for it, signed a lease and opened a craft beer slash coffee slash panini slash dessert bar. This feels very Athens. We <laughs> we might have been a little ahead of the curve, you know. It was it was definitely a very trying time. I mean, you know, everyone has this dream of opening a restaurant, you know. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I wonder, but you learn. I've never a lot. had that dream. Really? I've never had you that. You gotta dream, live your hallmark dream. It's yeah. like you're gonna meet someone across the the, the restaurant and. There you go. I love going to restaurants <laughs> a lot. He, I just uh, he's very smart because. Yeah. <laughs> It's a lot of work. But anyway, we, so we learned. We, we dragged our knuckles a lot, and um, it was five years of really trying times. Um, mm. But then came along a, a really good friend. At that time, we were in the, um, in the retail liquor, beer, wine business, and I was very uh, I was well acquainted with a guy by the name of Scott Parrish. And um, actually, it's John Scott Parrish mm. is his full name. But uh, Scott said, hey, we should do something there. And uh, he just had this grandiose vision of opening a restaurant where people can gather. And it was in Five Points. It's a very um, up-and-coming. It's a, it's a nice neighborhood. There's a lot of professors and a lot of professionals there. So we said, okay. And I said, well, one stipulation, uh, there should be a wood-fired oven. Let's separate ourselves. Let's make it 100% wood-fired, no gas. And uh, so we built a wood-fired oven, found a guy to build us a uh, you know, brick at a time of an insight uh, on, on site. And, um, we went for it and whoosh, 
where that journey took us. <laughs> mm. The rest is history. The rest is history, yeah. So when we did it, we I mean, again, he had a clue. You know, he, he actually, I think Scott told me, I think at the age of 10, he wrote a paper on owning his own restaurant. Wow. Really? Mm. So that was a very, um, that was a, you know, a check mark, check mark moment that was like, okay, like, mm. this is not just his dream, but his passion. Mm. And uh, he, he went to school for hospitality. So I said, let's do this. So you I had know, to go find an old Ford truck to haul the firewood. <laughs> I think about that, you know, the word you use, passion. And I think that's really what it takes. And, uh, you know, jokingly said I've never had that dream. But I tell you, I am thankful for people like you guys who do have that dream and who have the passion and who strive to do it well because so many, they don't do it well. But when it comes to food... I love food. And there's a, I was told by somebody one time there's about five steps and, you know, eating or whatnot for, mm-hmm. for your meal. And I only enjoy one of those steps. <laughs> and that's the actual eating of the food. But, you know, the preparation, the cooking, the cleanup, all that, you know, not for me. But I love great restaurants. And I've been to, I've been to some of your restaurants, and they're awesome. You mm. do a good job. But I think you're right. So talk about the passion you know, how do how, uh, how do you discover that passion? Boy, that's a that's a loaded question. I mean, <laughs> but you know, it you gotta it's you know you gotta have the go get it attitude. Um, there's no quitting, right? And and it's it, 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 especially in this day and age, that's a very gray line because you know uh, taking care of yourself and then the sacrifices you make for that. Um, are also, you know, that's difficult, especially, you know, if you have a family and mm. a restaurant requires a lot of you, um, which, you know, s- count my star. I mean, count my blessings. I mean, like Scott is a fantastic day to day operations person. He, but he also knows like when to delegate and how to do all that. But, you know, going back to that passion to keep it, you have to almost get up every morning and just kind of who was it rosie the riveter like you know she was uh when they did the whole campaign um uh in the was it 40s or 50s i don't remember but or 20s i don't even know but um you just got to roll up your sleeve and just get after it and mm. can't be afraid of taking on a challenge you know a lot of grit a lot yeah. of grit um and then also at the same time you know my, my daddy so i would say you also got to have a lot of luck on your side mm. Because even if you're fantastic at something, doesn't necessarily equivocate into um, succeeding at it. Because uh, you know, sometimes you have to have the you're being there at the right place at the right time. Um, you know, the pine was one of those moments that Scott unveiled unveiled to me. He goes, "Hey, you know what? The, you know this place needs it needs a restaurant. We need to be uh, and and this is how we can do. It. We need a gathering place for people to get together." And that was definitely in my passion, but I didn't have that idea in my head when I first did. It was called Aromas, by the way. Mm. Um, Just like I didn't have an idea of how to execute that appropriately. And so that was the luck that I was talking about, you know. And so he ignited another flame in me and, you know, he was all passionate about it. And I I became more passionate about it. And then, you know, he took his hospitality knowledge and my beverage side that, done for since i was 12 years old and we applied those two together and so that was really because kind of like the 
that came together as a force and that was an insane passion i guess you can call it i don't know like um but yeah how do you find it you just roll up your sleeves and you just you, you know you 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 dare to fail miserably mm. Mm, i like that but you know that if you are come out of that other side then you've achieved something great mm. that possibly you would have never done if you did not fail. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think about your success and, and you know, you've had many, you've been a very successful entrepreneur. You've done it uh, time and time again. And um, I'm a student of leadership. And so I'm a firm believer that no great organization, regardless if it's a nonprofit, uh, it could be a multi-billion dollar company. It could be, you know, a small restaurant, whatever it is, anything that's successful is built on great leadership. So talk a little bit about that from your perspective. What have you done as a leader? What are some of the principles that you could pass on to the listeners that you feel you've done successfully? Because, you know, typically businesses fail uh, many times because of, of really poor leadership. So obviously you've been very successful. So talk about that a little bit. Well, I mean, thanks. Look, the you know, the success part is not, I, I don't, you're nothing without a team, right? And so you're talking about this leadership. Um, here's a little secret that I kind of hold near and dear to myself that, that I tell them all every day um, or try to remind them that, look, you know, you, you committed to something, whether it's, you know, being in the hospitality side, serving, f making food or making a drink or taking this parcel from A to B or whatever that may be. And so it's, it comes, boils down to the attitude. And so you almost have to have, I don't, the receiving party doesn't care about your, I hate to, you know, uh, misery or your, you, you don't want to commiserate with that person because they're not your significant other. I mean, sure, with your wife or your, you know, your significant other, you can share those and build and get stronger and get clarity in your mind. But in while you're doing your task or while you're doing your work, um, you 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 have to let all that go and uh, and you have to put on this attitude of like sunshine, and mm. because if you look for sunshine, you find it. If you're looking for a rainy day, you're going to find it. And so if you put on that to a sunshine, no matter what odds are against you, um, it, it doesn't matter almost. It's almost like an invisible force field. It's like you're protected. And I might be talking out of, out, you know, out of space here, or just but it, it's, it's like I, I use that almost as a superpower. I use it as a, like a cloak. Mm. Um, and so I tell you know, the people that work for us, that work with us, um, and, and myself, of course, that, that, hey, it's okay. Like, you got up in the morning. You got up today. Like, you saw the sunlight or whatever. You saw the day. The light from a star eight minutes away traveled by at the speed of light and hit your eyes and the photon exchanged energy and went into your brain. I mean, are you kidding me? You got to see it and breathe it and feel it and touch mm -hmm. it. And so then just make use of that. Like, just make it the best. And so that's that's a little secret that I hold. So it's it, it might come across as artificial, 
but it's not because I strongly believe in that. Yeah, sure, everyone has bad days, but to lead a tr- to to go into battle, if you go in with the right attitude, I promise you're going to come out with a lot less casualties, mm. and you're going to come out a lot more ahead than you thought you would be. So that's you know that's what yeah, I try to portray. I mean, amongst other things, but that's like the whole the first setup right in your brain. Um, My question for you on that topic is: How do you encourage and even consistently get that similar that workspace uh that has become more and more challenging of course especially in the current environment with you know the labor force being so tight Mm. um but you know the tighter it is the better the cream is right so Mm. the less milk there is the better the cream there is on top so you constantly try to search that um and i'm not saying that there are people that are not there are a lot of people who don't Un, have the ability to unlock their potential. So you almost have to act like a key to that lock and say, you know, I know your weakness is here, but your amazing strength here. Why don't we use that strength and let go of the weakness? Mm. So that's hard to do in the retail environment um, because a lot of times you have to be able to multitask or, you know, use all kinds of skills. Um, but that's okay because if you can get the strengths from them, you'll find sometimes that those strengths are far superior than yours because mm. they're focused, they're honed in. Um, sometimes multitasking is a bad thing because you're not able to focus 100% on it. So if somebody's great at, you know, um, task X or thing, you know, whatever that is, it's okay. You can let go of Y and Z because then someone else can pick that up and they can probably do it better. Um, and so to find that, yeah, that's... That's definitely a, a, almost like a curating process. I Sometimes I think about, like, we're like a museum. We're curating little pieces of art. <laughs> and then, you know, like, those pieces of art are then curating further. So you just, again, it's in that positive attitude, the finding the weaknesses and finding the strengths and dividing those and then just running with that. Um, you know, you, you talk about, you know, being in the hospitality business yeah. and – being hospitable, yeah. which means you are uh, you're making an impact in the lives of people, right? I mean, truly, you're you're making a mark in the lives of, of of others. And so, talk about how that looks in your business. How do you impact lives? Not just not just maybe while they're there having a meal, but I mean, you know, in a way that maybe leaves a legacy. So, so this is a a, a small. It's like a almost like a small point of contention. I always bring it up to Scott to let, to discuss. And Scott, Scott's my partner, right, mm-hmm. in SP2. And, you know, uh, we always talk about the, the personal touch versus the automation or versus the, uh, you know, the self-service and, check, mm-hmm. you know. But we are providing an experience, like, mm-hmm. at that very moment. Mm-hmm. And as a customer... You coming into a place because of first its environment, how it makes you feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so that hospitality, the Scott Parish rule number one: we are in the hospitality business. Our job is to be hospitable. Mm-hmm. If you can't do that, then you shouldn't be in the hospitality business. Um, so it, it's like you're providing an experience of you know, and it, 
you don't know what that person again is going through, right? They, mm. they could be some loss. They could be celebrating something. They could be um, just a spontaneous dinner, a date, you know, family. Mm-hmm. So it, we are trying to provide the utmost um, uh, level of attention to that person because that's what they came for. Mm-hmm. They made the decision to step into your door. You didn't go out there and wrangle them in. Um, so if, as long as we can do that effectively and, uh, uh, you know, to the guest satisfaction and above, um, then we win. And so does the guest. Mm-hmm. So the idea is to make both parties happy. Um, and that's, you know, then other things kick in, right? So it's, but it's environment and how, you know, it's because it's an experience. Uh, it's an experiential moment. They, you're feeding them. They get to see the food first. They perhaps get to smell it first. Mm. Um, and so, and then they're eating it and satisfying and, and giving their body nourishment. So you try to think that through and say, look, we want you to come in and have a good time. Um, or have the time that you thought you were going to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's it. And that's that yeah. personal touch on, on, on the hospitality side that, you know, is, is, it's hard. It's hard to execute mm-hmm. um, because it's not me in front of every guest every mm-hmm. day, right? So you have to portray that to somebody mm-hmm. else too. And, but they understand that and, uh, you know, you, you operate accordingly. So it's a, uh, again, it, it comes down to the wholeness of as soon as they step foot into your home, into your place of business, that like you treat them with respect. Mm-hmm. Um, you engage with them in such a way. So anyway, I mean, that's, gosh, we can, you know. Yeah. I Going to a restaurant is like a whole different moment. <laughs> yeah. You go to a place, it's just like, you know, I'm always looking at all that stuff, but I don't think most, most people are not processing that, right? They just want to come in and have their meal and mm. enjoy and have a good time and leave. Mm. So, How critical are you whenever you go to a restaurant that's not yours? I, I Look, <laughs> y- you know. Or even your own. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, even in my kitchen at home, right? It's like, <laughs> it's so bad. I mean, it's like, but, it, you know, again, I at, the some, at some point, there's a human level. Mm. And so, and we're not perfect. Um, and so you can have all these expectations of like, you know, provide your best foot forward and, you know, be, uh, you know, experience the sunlight and be positive and all that. But you're not going to get that 100% of the time. I'm just mm. asking for it, for you to give us close to 100, you know, <laughs> give me the maximum that you can mm. give, right? And so in, a, in a, another restaurant, that can happen as well equally uh, to where the server or the, you know, having a bad day or whatnot and or the food might not be right. But I feel like sometimes I'm more empathetic because I see the struggle. Um, now, if it's a repeated offense, then of <laughs> course that's a whole other concept. That's that goes mm. down that whole other trail of mismanagement, and all that. Mm. But it, well, I y- think y- it's recovery. I mean, you know, yeah. I think about we were talking about golf earlier, but yeah. you know, I mean, I, th- I think the the what separates the professional golfer from the from the amateur like me <laughs> is they hit a bad shot occasionally, but they recover really, really well. And I think. No one's perfect, right? That's correct. And we're always going to make mistakes. We're human beings and imperfect organizations. But I think it's the way you recover. I, my wife and I were recently at down in Orlando at Ritz Carlton, and um, 
went to have uh, dinner one night, uh, dessert actually. It was a later we wanted because they had coconut cream pie, and I love coconut cream pie. And can't find it very often, so we went it's and and, it, and they were they were advertising it right. They were advertising it on their menu on the website. So we went, and the server came, and I said, oh, we stopped that about two months ago. And I Oof. said, oh, we came. It was on your website. So he says, oh, so we looked at the other dessert menus, and it was a cheesecake, I think, or something. So we split a cheesecake. The bill came, and he said, look, this is on the house because we did not have your coconut cream pie. Wow. Now, they charged me enough for the hotel room that I paid for that <laughs> cheesecake about 20 times. But in all seriousness, they took the time to recognize that, hey, we did something that was a screw-up, but without even us asking, they made it right. And so it makes me talk about it. Otherwise, I'd be saying bad things about them, right? So uh, it's a big deal. How you recover is, well, a, is a big deal. On what you're saying there, I mean, how much more value are they gaining Huge. than the little, like, the, the small amount of money they would have received from oh, the cheesecake yeah, versus you talking about it every time you can. It's, it's a big... And it's a huge thing for a business owner to understand that, yes, money is important, but if you understand the value of word of mouth, you understand the value of someone with credibility like you do, Neil, you, him going around and saying, hey, this is a great, a great place to go, you're going to quadruple the investment that you put in for that product. Unquestionable. Yeah. Yep. It, it, it's that long-term versus short-term thinking. Yes. Um, and so that was on the retail side in the beverage industry. That's another thing I learned, you know, going above and beyond. Um, and, you know, that that's what really I, I kind of cut my teeth with knowing that, you know, it, as long as you just go above and beyond, or sorry, sorry I don't mean <laughs> not above and beyond. As, as long as you give your 100% mm. of what you're capable of giving, mm -hmm. then you've gone above and beyond mm -hmm. because how many other people are given 100%? Mm -hmm. um, and so from that is where that, if some, take ownership of your flaw, take ownership of that weakness, you know, that I was talking about, like, let go of the weakness. Okay, we messed that up, but let's take our strength and smother it with that. Mm -hmm. um, and so... If you ha if you're willing to take a just a, a, a maybe that painful pill and say okay and it would be painful especially for an in independent restaurant you know you lose mm. X Y Z in revenue and you compound that I mean it's like it could be detrimental it could detrimental so you have to make those decisions at the margin but you do that and over the long term the return is tenfold. Well, this all goes back to my leadership, you know, question earlier. And, and that is whenever you have a server or someone who doesn't take the extra step to recover well or they, they treat you in a way where it shows that they truly are just there to get a paycheck and they don't really care, I always say, you know, don't get angry at that person. It's not really them. Leadership. It's the leadership that's leading them because there's an expectation they're allowed to get away with, you know, and it's the hiring thing, you know, it's a hiring the wrong, wrong person. So I always attribute everything back to leadership. And uh, so that experience at the Ritz was because of their quality. You know, we all know their quality, but it's the, the relentless desire to provide exceptional service and their people know that all the way down the line. So, but so talking about leadership, I want to hear a little bit more about um, y'all's idea, like your vision, mission values, um, at SP2? So, you know, part of SP2's 
again, that mantra number one um, is we're in the hospitality business. We are here to be hospitable. Um, it blankets the whole arena of uh, if we can't provide the best, then we shouldn't do it. Mm. Uh, so, and there are times that we have to s- cut the line because I'm, I'm always like, yes, we can do that. Yes, we can do that. Yes, we can do that. So, but you can't do everything and be good at it is what I've had to learn um, mm-hmm. along the way all those years. And so the whole the concept of uh, uh, applying that and saying, hey, give the best energy at it and make it happen. Mm. Um, and again, you don't learn that overnight. There's no way to do that. over. You, you learn that by failing. Mm. S- but you have to be able to look at the failure and analyze it instead of getting upset at it. Mm. You have to be able to say, hey, what went wrong? This went wrong? Well, let's not let that happen again. Mm-hmm. And what are the steps to prevent it? So the prevention, that's, that's a whole other, right? An ounce of prevention is a, mm. you know, just... Found the cure, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, applying that, principle to um, any business and anything you do so uh, like the beverage side like the retail side we were very fortunate that uh, you know we built a strong customer base uh, with uh, understanding like hey we will make it happen for you Mm. Um, and there were times you can't make everybody happy some people just wake up on the wrong side of the bed that day you know and so, but it's okay because they get another chance to wake up the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so you just you constantly hammer away at that and move forward. Mm. Mm. It's something that you said earlier, kind of going off of what you were just talking about, was the dare to fail miserably. It's such a really cool thing to hear because it's like what you were just saying with uh, look at your failure and be able to analyze it. Um, how do you encourage your team if there's a failure? Like, how do you? help them kind of get back on track and then also kind of analyze that and move forward. Uh, again, t- tough, tough in, in the current environment. I'm not going to lie. I can't, mm. I can't candy coat it at all. Um, but it, it, if you, if you just empower them to fix their own problems, you don't necessarily point them out and critique you have to empower the failure. You have to empower the success mm. from being able to um, look at the failure. So I, the other thing is like, hey, what went wrong here? Or, you know, where can I step in? And s- what do you want me to, what can I help you? Um, is, is a big question that's like constantly looming in my head. Or I'm like, I got that. Don't mm. worry about that. Take it off your list. Mm. And so if you cut something off, and so th- that's how where the teamwork comes in and, and, you know, it's like, okay, we're burning up right now. It's okay. I'll run and get the water. I'm going to need someone to dump it on the fire. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and so uh, I guess that's the whole empowerment and then, mm. you know, building that team. Like, hey, this part no one wants to do. I know this is difficult for us to do. Uh, let me tackle that. And I know you're good at that. Why don't you tackle that? And this way we can, without that fire. Mm. Yeah. And and w- well, one thing I want to kind of learn a little bit more about is like your journey to where you are now. So what kind of got you started in entrepreneurship? How long have you been an entrepreneur? Like what's your story? Wow. Uh, Hard question. <laughs> when I was 12 years old, I, I came, I came to this country. Um, and my brother was here a year before that was 1988. 
I came here in 89, and it was just me and my brother and his wife and his two-year-old at that time. And my parents stayed back in Kenya. Um, we came here and got involved in the bottle shop. Um, and at the age of 12, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on the podcast, but <laughs> at the age of 12, I had a key to the liquor store. Wow. Mm. Well, because they were working day and night, Bush mm. and Parul, you know, mm-hmm. Bush and my brother, and they were working open to close every day. And Sundays, they, you were you had to be forced to be closed. Um, so that was like a the only family day. But at the age of 12, I got that key, and he said, there's an ice machine back there. Um, we need to start bagging our own ice. Mm. And so... That's uh, where I was like, okay. And I, you know, again, I was 12 and, ah, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> this, you know, the typical 12 year old excuses. But I drive my bike up to the shop in the morning. Uh, that was because, you know, the ice machine doesn't stop working. It's a machine, mm. it just pumps out ice. Well, what happens when the ice maker gets full? It stops nice. running. Mm. So I did it for one day. And then the next day, you know, I didn't go, I didn't do it. And my brother's like, well, well, why is the ice maker full? And I was like, well, because I didn't come in to bag ice. He said, well, that's great. It's just sitting there idle. It's not working for you. Mm. And so I said, well, okay. So, of course, I had to get in there. And, you know, at that point, it's getting hard, and it's harder to bag it. And I was like, wow, this is the difference between fresh ice. and all. Anyway, <laughs> so I had to learn, and I started riding my bike up every day, coming back, getting on the bus, getting ready, getting – Finally, I convinced the bus driver to drop me off at the shop on the way to drop me off home after school ended. Because <laughs> I was like, I have to go bag ice over there. And mm. she's like, I can't drop you off there. It's like, yes, you can. Because I, I, I'll i get someone to vouch for me. <laughs> the bus driver's dropping Pulling in the, the liquor, liquor store. store. <laughs> <laughs> the bus driver would make a U-turn in the liquor store and I'd get dropped <laughs> off in the parking lot. That's and, I, and I would go in and bag ice. So I wouldn't have to ride my bike up the hill to the shop. Which is much nicer. Much nicer. And then I just get a ride with one of the guys getting off, and they just mm-hmm. dropped me off at home, which was, you know, I mean, it's close enough. We were living close by. Um, but that cut out a step for me. But So I learned about the whole concept of frozen water, right? It's like, which <laughs> is frozen water that we can, I think the price was 79 cents for a seven pound or eight, ten. There's a seven pound bag back then. And, uh, and I learned by looking at the water bill that the, it only costs a penny a gallon, uh, which is, okay, that's eight pounds. Well, that's one bag of ice. Mm. The bag cost me a penny, and the twist tie cost, I think, a tenth of a cent or so. I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> something like that. So I'd buy the whole box of twist ties. It was like 300 or 500 twist ties in there and buy bags and started bagging in ice. Mm. So that was it. That was the journey. That was a start. And then I just looked at everything. And, and then my brother would say, he's like, you know, there's a reason why there's a buffalo on the nickel. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, because there's a buffalo on the nickel. Mm. Take it off. Find a way to get the buffalo off the nickel. Mm. So, yeah, that's it was that was it. I never looked back. Um, I just found opportunity in things. You know, I look at things, I f- see a gap and I'm like, there's opportunity right there. Mm. And then you just decide to act on it or not, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, but it was it was kind of embedded early, which I, I'm lucky. I'm, again, I'm blessed. Like, that's something, 
if every kid should have an opportunity, right? Go out and get a summer gig mowing grass or whatever. Because you learn the value. Oh, yeah. You learn the value. And what else I gained from that was a sense of freedom. And mm-hmm. um, it empowered me to function better and more efficiently and learn the, you know, the loss and this and all that. So that was embedded early. Um, but it only happens if you take the, you know, again, if you have the get up in the morning, it's okay, I got to do this. I'm going to do this. So. Discipline. Discipline and consistency, and consistently. I mean, consistency. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, restaurant business, same thing, right? Yeah. That menu item has got to be the same thing mm-hmm. every time, because mm-hmm. um, once a customer, if, if they like it, they're gonna expect that the next time. Mm-hmm. And so, hopefully, it did a good enough job to where they like it, and then they you just provide that same thing again and again, mm-hmm. and then there's a value associated with that. Mm. And that's the exchange of that value that you're providing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, consistency. I like I like that. Yeah, and the discipline. You got to have that. Mm-hmm. So after your, um, after like working at the liquor store, what got you working? What got you to where you are now? Uh, I mean, again, that was that really was my training ground because there was no one was. I mean, I was working with a crew of guys that they were just brutal to me, which was great because they taught they taught me a lot of things. They didn't allow me any slack. Um, to this day, I respect them very much. Richie Burnett and his brother Mark, and there's another guy by the name of Brendan Anders. Anyway, th- those guys like shaped me because they were older than me. They were in their twenties. I was only you know preteen teenager. Um, but from that, I all, all those lessons of learning all that, and then taking the drive to uh, really take command and take over that business was like, okay, I got to turn the ship. So that that's when I you know started focusing on the industry and saying, oh, I need to expand on this or I need to add a like, craft beer. There's a big boom for craft beer. We're the first guys to do that and um, expand on the wine and get my sommelier certification and you know start start talking directly to the manufacturer of the product instead of just talking to the distributor and understanding how it's made and really putting a value to that. And then, you know, empowering the customer to um, to make their decision, giving the information to the customer to make their decision of what what we have. Mm. Not trying to sell it, but giving an option and making them understand, hey, if you don't like this, well, there's always that. If you don't like that, there's always this. Mm. Um, so, and then from that, you know, um, putting all my grit into that and uh, went to college and I got my, I, <laughs> I went to college on uh, the hope and dream of becoming a doctor. Mm. Um, but I realized when I was in college, like my sophomore year, it's like, wait, I'll be how old when, <laughs> and I got to borrow, I got to borrow how much money? Mm. Wait a minute. No. So I, I changed my focus and I, uh, uh, I got my degree and um, I finished a degree in chemistry at the University of Michigan. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to go to Georgia and get my economics degree. And it, it was like, a, like the, if the shoe fits, wear it. Mm. it was just so who were you pulling for, Georgia or Michigan a couple years ago? It was tough. It was <laughs> a weird game. <laughs> I, and I was there for that. It's, ah. Yeah, it was weird. It was, I had always said, if Michigan and Georgia ever play each other, I have to go to the game. So, yeah, I did. I went, yeah. But, I, you know, I was split. Was yeah. A, um, uh, that was that was that was very sweet. That's right. That was 
gosh, in Miami. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, so just t taking that and and just applying it across the board and then looking at the opportunity and mm. and then just working with the tools I had. And fortunately in the beverage business, you know, chemistry, well, you know, you're talking about interactions of science and ferment so fermentation was right in that alley, distillation, and then uh, economics was the principle of getting it sold. So it's like, it was like, they just fit. It all worked. It just worked. And I didn't realize I liked economics until I went to college. You know, I took an econ, econ classes in high school and didn't interest me much. Because mm. that's when you're teaching the, you know, the graphs and all the basics. But then when I was like, wow, this is just applied theory right here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, that, and yeah, so th that's where we diversified on the beverage side. We diversified on other things. And then, but for me, my main focus was how can I make this business successful and uh, how can I every day uh, uh, make it one step better? Mm. Um, and so from that, we were able to grow. Mm. And of course, the insane support and help of the staff, right? Mm. You're nothing without your team. Mm. So I never thought about, I had a team. I always thought of, I was like, I was just in the team. Mm. It's like, I never really coached. I just kind of led by doing, and then they just did it, and we just did it together. Um, so that was, I think, part of that fun, too, because I was super driven, and I was on, it's like I got up every morning with a shot of espresso in me or something. <laughs> um, that's great. I mean, that's, uh, that's a valuable thing to understand and also be able to share is that, like, you aren't anything without your team. It's like you're a brilliant mind, but you have to have that help to help you achieve the mission that you have. So I guess uh, going forward, like what are some tips that you would have for entrepreneurs who are either just starting, maybe they're even in that really early stage where they, have, they haven't even graduated high school, like from your from your uh, experience, but then also to like entrepreneurs who are just throughout mul multiple different ages, what, what would you say? I, again, it goes back to that discipline that you were talking about, um, you know, and the, and the consistency. But I think now in the current feet in the current environment, I think because we have so much information at our disposal, um, so much you know, or tech is part of the reason we have that. I think using that to your advantage. So the information is limitless, right? I mean, you can read books and go to college online, and so use that tool set to unleash your creative side mm. and so that's and and i and, and you know I, I feel like some of the most creative moments or the most decision making forks in the road that I, I had to sit there i mean covid was a prime example i think for a lot of people in the last couple of years but um was is almost like when you're down to your last straw it's like it's like that last piece of cake is the sweetest mm. the last pie the last because you know after that there's no more. Mm -hmm. And so when you experience that, it's like almost like I guess when you're on your last breath, on your last when you're failing, I guess you can say almost, right? Is when your real creative side can really cause it's pushed, because mm -hmm. it's the sweetest. And you're reminded of how um, you know, where you were and where possibly then you can envision of something else where you need to go. Mm -hmm. Um uh, but I, I would definitely say, like, yeah, that whole consistency and not giving up. And it's okay to give up, too. If you're, f you know, sometimes you have to cut the bait. Mm -hmm. 
and cast a new line, mm. right? Because the fish has beaten you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's okay. But knowing when that point is, not early in the game, right? Putting everything you have in it and then knowing, okay, I can't do any better. I can't make this work or I can't succeed at this, but I know I can succeed at this by adding this component. And that's where that information comes in and the twist of that comes in. Um, and I hate to sound cliche, but some of the stuff that these old guys got, it's gold. <laughs> I mean, it is gold. Don't take it for granted because they've been drugged through the mud. They've seen mm. it. They've felt it. They've tasted it. I mean, it's so kind of take a grain of, you know, treat it like some salt on your on your eggs. You know, yeah. like you got your eggs, add some of that salt because it's good wisdom. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I have no idea. Gosh, who knows in 10, 15 years, what ha- Tony, whatever, right? Um, how do you make it special and how do you get out? Uh, that's again, that's up to you to decide and using all the tools you got and use the tools. Mm. Just mm. if you got a hammer, use it. Mm. If you don't have a hammer, find a rock. Mm. When we were talking earlier Improvise. about like chat GPT and AI and yeah. like realizing, oh, wow, these are really valuable assets that we need to be, ad- need to be using or at least understanding what they are. Um, what kind of tips would you give to people like you were just saying? Um, about like adjusting to the current climate or the current uh, business setting? I, I think, you know, um, adaptability is just a huge word. Like you, and, and in the last few years, somebody didn't understand that word. I mean, they're not around. Mm. Um, so pivoting and adaptability. Mm. So, you know, it's like, the information is propagating at a faster pace than we are biologically, obviously, right, over the last many years. So uh, that's a pill that we digested, actually, understanding in our retail business, in our beverage business, that, hey, the, the, the tail is wagging the dog. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and we had gotten to a point of a critical mass to where, unless I received a revamp or additional huge shot in the arm, whether it was help with, you know, on the labor side or, you know, changing our business model drastically and perhaps taking a bit of a hit in the beginning, but then seeing, but taking that gamble, uh, if, if we didn't take it, I could see ourselves declining. So that's was, that's when I could have to find somebody else mm-hmm. who had a vision that was greater than mine and take that baby over, take over that teenager that we'd grown. Mm-hmm. It's ironic, right? Because we called it no fake IDs, no cry babies. The baby was a logo. So we turned into a teenager or, you know, a, and somebody else took it over. And they're going to now uh, grow it further. So and that's Five Points Bottle to- Shop that you're talking about, right? That's Five Points Bottle Shop yeah, yeah, and yeah. Westside Bottle Shop. Yeah, we, you know, th- that was, again, that, that was the baby that taught me everything. And I grew with it. You say um, they're about to change. They're they're changing the logo. Or no, 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 no. I, what I'm saying is, oh, I, was I was like, no, yeah, it, it's it iconic. Was, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a metaphor to the fact that yeah, like the baby yeah, 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 is yeah, they yeah. start and we we grew it. It's still a baby in five points. But if you notice, the west side location was a uh, we called him Doctor Chronicle. Doctor, is that mm. the the mustache? That's correct. The, the mustache yeah. guy, Doctor Chronicle, with a beer cap monocle. He had a beer mm. cap as a monocle. Ah, uh, and I he had the top that those hat connected. Those, those shots. That's correct. Mm. Yes, they are. Yep. And then so, but anyway, uh, you know, understanding that that and cutting bait and letting go, 
and uh, also being able to apply that information to your strength mm. and, uh, you know, being the, the critical word here is, is, is just being able to adapt and evolve because at some point your success will also force you to leave that or change it drastically again. Well, that takes a willingness to, to do that. I think so, so many people are unwilling to adapt because they, I don't know if it's stubbornness. I don't know if it's this, I'm, I'm afraid of embracing something new. I'm afraid of change, uh, whatever it may be, but those are the ones who are, you know, left behind, right? Mm. They're they're the world moves on, but and, and it involves risk, right? Being oh. w- having a being uh, willing to adapt. I think a lot of people don't because you have to be vulnerable and take a risk uh, that creates some uncertainty, and but. I mean, it's it's a lot better than the alternative because, you know, if you don't, the world, like you said, will, will, will pass you by. Risk is definitely a huge component of that. And, you know, some people don't have the appetite for that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's uh, sometimes it's easier to stand still, right? Mm. And they always say if you run fast, you don't get as wet in the rain. But I don't mm. know if I believe depending which direction the rain's coming yeah. from. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, but... Uh, complacency is a thing right you don't want to become mm. complacent yes, yes. Uh, so I, I don't know stubbornness is tied to that right mm-hmm. I, I think so um but being complacent and status quo and uh, uh saying okay well this is enough well that's great you're understanding your limitations but understand that the world has no measure for that mm. um so you know then that's their nine to five Clock in, clock out. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, and that, that speaks to what you were saying earlier about having the passion and and the grit. And what you're saying is that giving a hundred percent is to not settle for being mediocre. That yeah. there's no place for mediocrity. And I I, th- I think as soon as there's a place that you settle for mediocrity, then that's the day that you would start. That's the day complacency begins to set in, and then that's the day that you begin to lose. That doesn't mean celebrate successes and, you know, stop and celebrate what's what you've accomplished or, you know, what's happened, but always stay hungry, right? I mean, that's part of it is if, if you don't always stay hungry and, uh, and, and strive for being the best and try to get better every day, no matter where you are, right? that mediocrity begins to set in and and occur and then complacency occurs and then 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 you're done before you know it. And sometimes it's hard to recover from from that. Uh, oh, it's yeah. Yeah, to, it could be fatal. To get out of bed and to roll out every morning with an ener- with an energy is yeah, it takes takes a reprogramming of the brain. Mm-hmm. Um Horace Mann said be afraid to die until you've achieved of victory for humanity. Hmm. So that should keep you, that's like the drive. Like you just get up and you do something. So that's where the, you got to stamp out the, you got to stamp out complacency. Mm. That's because, you know, that's like the word retire. You know, mm. you retire. 
Mm-hmm. Retire from what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so mm-hmm. I'm so not much. tired. Yeah. <laughs> then why am I having to retire? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, um, if you do embrace that, any any point, you have to uh, figure out a way to get it out of you because at that very moment is when you start declining. Do you think when you're doing what you love, that drives you to be excellent and to not become complacent? If you do every day what you love to do. I mean, you talk about passion. Those two, I think, go hand in hand. Is that I'm fired up because I can tell what you do. You love what you do every day. You run to it, right? I I do. uh, And... Again, not all days are equal, right? Sure, there's so always hard days. There's lots yeah. of hard days. If you don't yeah. have, yeah, you don't appreciate the good ones, right? But um, th- th- that passion and that whole, like, uh, uh, get after it attitude, it's like you have to change your uh, surroundings. You have to change your, 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 your mindset, your whatever that is, and understand that no one is going to come and write your dream for you. Nobody. Mm. No one cares about your dream. They might appreciate it once you show it to them, but you're going to have to start that yourself. And so uh, that complacency is just going to destroy that dream every time, whatever that is, and to uh, 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 apply the energy. So, I mean, just applying your energy to something is going to even do better than what it was doing. Mm. So, and so, mm. and, and so that's that passion, right? Oh, like yeah. you got to oh. love it. You have to like feel it in you. You have to sure. almost like grow a tree of that inside of you. Yeah. Like let the roots get in your legs, you know, mm. and like you have to, so yeah, it, you, you got to love it. Then it's not a job. Yeah. And so I don't use the word, I hate the word job. Yeah. yeah because it's, it's not. It's job is something you're, tasked required or to yeah. do required or you're being you know like whipped right. at oh, it's, yeah. it's like it makes it not fun it's got a negative connotation yeah this is my job it's like the second you say that it's like oh i don't want to do it anymore yeah mm-hmm. like this is my job well this is my passion yeah or this is uh, you know this is what i'm doing right now even just take everything all the emotion this is what i'm doing mm. Whether it's cleaning the toilet or digging the ditch yeah. or, or 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 drinking a beer or wiping down tables, yeah, this is what I'm doing. So yeah. what what are some memories that you have? What are your favorite? What's some fun that y'all do with at uh, the different places or what? What is what's your favorite thing about what you do? Especially favorite memories. And so we've not talked about this, right? We we talked about the we talked about the employees or, or the people, your team, your you know all that. The most fun for me, and and again, everybody's different, right? But is literally my voracious appetite to seek out other people and learning from them. Mm. So that is the most fun for me. Like mm. just running into you, JT, like mm. what, months back, right? And I was like, who is this guy? You know what? <laughs> like, mm. like all right, like, mm. and you know, you you. Uh, Coming to me in the, in the middle of the bank and, and <laughs> like, like I'm like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, hey man, what's up? Like, and it was very, you know, it, it's and and that's what I that's I, I'm telling you, I left. I'm telling you that day I left the bank and I was like, did that just happen? 
that just happened. Like that's so what it, I strive for. It, that 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 feeling of yeah. I don't know if that was a real person or not. No, really. And 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 and, and so uh, you know the, that for me is the part of that part is really the passion because um, you know in, engaging with somebody, learning from them, their what they know, and then uh, and then doing something better. Mm. Um, but the the fun things you asked me, I mean, what are the fun things? I mean, gosh, you down to where? I mean, because the restaurant business and, you know, like the soda business, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's fun. Like, oh, Saturdays, we have our own tap. We have a tap room there. And, uh, you know, Paul, so I, I, have a, I have a business partner there. His name is Paul Koistra. He's the one who started the started it his passion, his dream. He started uh, five years ago plus, I think. And I got involved with him a f- few years back. And now really, like, we've really, you know, dug our heels in and we're really getting aggressive and trying to, but he was, he uh, start, He said, hey, we're going to do, we're going to have a tap room and I think we should make smash burgers and mm-hmm. we should have floats. There's, there's all his ideas, right? Fantastic. And so last summer, I every Saturday, I'm there, I'm cutting the onions, getting ready, cooking the, started cooking the smash burgers. And so, yeah, that's fun. Mm. That happened? Yeah, we we actually opened the tap room last Saturday. It's open all summer. Okay, right. Every okay. Saturday we do. A, yeah, we we offer smash burgers and floats. I and know you where you're going to be tomorrow. Oh Can't my gosh! Think? Like, <laughs> not even kidding. I am cooking smash burgers. I did tomorrow. not know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, yeah, but you know, like, I don't know what is the fun things. It's like you know, at at, at our at the Pine, we uh, Scott told me one day he's like, hey. Uh, Make a curry for a special. Ooh. So, you know, we're, we're not an Indian restaurant. We're, you know, we're a tapas, wine, slash champagne bar, slash oysters. And we have little tapas dishes. And so, talked to our chef, Chef uh, uh, Scott Bernardo, And I was like, I guess I'm making a curry. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah. He's like, what do you need? I was like, I, uh, I will start working on it. You know, so, anyway. Try to keep it fresh. So yeah. do something every day that also, you know, takes you out of the norm. Mm. Um, so it reminds you of what, like, sometimes you might be stuck in some mundane task. Mm. Um, you have to kind of throw a wrench at it. You might have to find the wrench. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes ADHD is kind of a positive. Oh, I love it. It, it it's makes great. my job so much easier. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's a positive because it forces you to adapt again, you know, like retool, like, oh, I'm doing this for a little bit until I go back to this or... Um, but those are the good wrenches, right? Cause you found that and mm. you engaged in that wrench. Uh, mm. you decided to, you know, say, Hey, we're going to go to Jack Daniels and buy a barrel of whiskey and try to find that. Or, you I know, think ADHD is a massive asset to any business owner. It's weird. Yeah. Cause it, it, in school or in like those environments, it's a real crutch. Yeah. But the second you're in a, an environment where you need to do multiple tasks or think so far out of the box that you're like, Everyone around you thinks you're crazy, but it actually it ends up working. It's a it's a great asset. Mm. The ADHD is like that. Uh, what is it? The, is that creative? I think sometimes mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. the creative component and the willing to look at everything component mm. allows you. It's like you're kind of like a squirrel. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Very much so. But but it's Squirrel. but it, it is difficult <laughs> for the people below, like or not below, but with you around you because they're all constantly picking up some pieces. Because you're leaving them behind. Yeah. Um. So you have to also devote energy to be like, hey, I got to complete that. 
I can't just leave that fire burning for someone else. My roommates are not a huge fan of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, and I put myself in the same category. My wife's the same way. She's like, what's going on? It's 11 o'clock. What are you doing? Yeah. Go to bed. I'm like, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> like, I got to finish this. Yeah. Oh, and I got to finish this too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I got to do this. <laughs> but, that's, but, that's about right. But, <laughs> but you know what? It, it keeps it. It, it keeps it alive. It keeps it fresh. Mm. Um, and it allows you to engage and see things that you wouldn't have normally seen. Exactly. Um, right? So look out the other window, and you might see a different view mm. of the street, like out of your sure. office. Yeah. You got two windows for All a right. reason. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sashin, for joining us. I mean, honestly, it's been really insightful to hear just about your journey in entrepreneurship and um, all of the, the different lessons that you've learned. I still, I think one of the favorite things that I wrote down was um, dare to fail miserably. So, so that is JFK quote. It's JFK still. said that those who dare to fail miserably. It's a great mm. quote. And well, I, I well, actually don't think anyone said it to me before. So I really, mm. I probably should have found it. I should have put, Jeff, I should have given credit to JFK. I, <laughs> I, I don't know that was a JFK quote. Yeah. Heard but a it's lot of JFK quotes, but that's a great that's a great one. It's yeah. such a great quote just to think about that and be like, all right, success is great, but just value the fact that uh, just put yourself out there, try. People always talk about dare to dream. Mm-hmm. Dare I have to heard f- that one. But dare to fail miserably. Mm. That's like part that. of the dare to dream, right? Yeah, mm. absolutely. But yeah, thank you so much for coming and I mean really it was awesome. Thank you guys. Uh seriously, I'm I, and again, we talked about all the success and stuff and but look Again, you can't do it without a team, mm. and uh, you guys were a team that was in the background, right? It was a so you know OSB uh, is has been integral in my growth and my development, mm. my families, my our business, um, everything. So thank you very much because mm. um, the opportunity that it provide that it provided was was uh, was amazing, mm. um, and is amazing still. Not mm. was is. Mm is uh but at the same time um you know it's it's also the customer base and the community that supported us that, that still continues to support us um mm. we talk about the team you're nothing without the team but you're really nothing without a customer yeah, yeah it's true you know so if you don't have someone to uh make use of what you do or uh, engage in it or consume it or uh, and it takes a village Mm. And uh, the community has been amazing. Um, I'm I can't be m- uh, more thankful than and you know feel more blessed and lucky. And I daily like I'm I just run into people and it's just like, wow, like you are the reason I'm here. Mm. So, but that's part of the hospitality and mm. all that, right? Mm. But you know, and again, it was the whole village, the fa- the, p- the the customers are people that we work with. Uh, my wife, my kids, mm. you guys. Um, yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah. Yep. Been good. That's it. That's a wrap. Right.